Well, welcome to the Living Faith Podcast. This is the first official podcast episode, and so let me just give you an idea of what I hope to do with this podcast and what you can expect down the road. First of all, my real goal with the podcast is to give you something to reflect on throughout the course of your week. Now, I I know we've got sermons each Sunday morning, and typically there's a good bit to reflect on there, so uh, maybe you're asking, why do a podcast too? Well, a podcast can provide more to those Christians who are hungry for more, or it can also be an entry point for people who are exploring the faith, or maybe they're just curious about our church. It's also true that I want to ensure that Sunday mornings, first and foremost, focus on the scriptures. There is a reason we read four lessons each Sunday as Anglicans, and normally the sermon is an exposition of those passages. And so what that means is there are many topics that we simply won't get to on Sunday mornings, which means that a podcast provides a forum for engaging those topics or even going deeper on a topic which was addressed in a sermon. My second goal with this podcast is to make it as accessible as possible. I'm going to keep these episodes between 10 to 15 minutes each week, And the benefit of a podcast is that you can listen wherever you are and while you do whatever it is you are doing, whether you're on a walk or on the couch or making dinner. You can do it on your own time schedule and at your own pace. And my plan right now is to post each new episode on Thursdays so you can watch for those in the future. Finally, if you have any questions or comments uh, after listening to an episode, I'd be happy to hear from you at peter at livingfaithanglican.org. So, what will we do today to kick this thing off? Well, I'm calling this episode Justice and Race, What's Next? This will be a follow-up on the dialogue that Father Bob and I had on Sunday, June 21st, with this topic of justice and race. And in that sermon, we discussed a biblical theology of justice. And we said that justice in the Bible, it's a relational thing, first and foremost. It's, it's when people live in right relationships with God, with one another, and with the rest of creation. Now, the Bible portrays a two-pronged application of justice in a post-Genesis 3, or, or a, a sinful and a fallen world. The first application is called retributive justice. And that's the kind of justice that occurs when someone who does something wrong is punished. We're all really familiar with this as we've all watched courtroom dramas on TV or on film. The second application is called restorative justice, and it's this kind of justice that occurs when someone does right towards someone who is being wrongly treated. And this is actually the kind of justice that the Bible speaks of the most. All in all, justice then is the pursuit of good and right relationships, which includes both retributive and restorative justice justice. Now, as Christians, it's important for us to recognize that justice originates with God, not with us. God is the just. God is the righteous. And so we can make sense of our doctrine of justification that Jesus, who is God the just, died for us human beings who are unjust And in so doing, justified us before God or made us right with God and with other people. And now as the people of God, our job is to carry on the mission of Jesus the just as the justified by bringing God's good and just rule to the world. Now in that dialogical sermon, we also discussed a core biblical theology of race. We said that first of all, God created one human family from our common parents, Adam and Eve, and all humans bear God's image. 
We've said that God's redemption of humanity has always been about all people, whether that's in the Old or the New Covenant. We said that the church, which is supposed to be and is the representation of God's kingdom on earth, should demonstrate equality among all people in terms of belonging, value, and voice. And finally, we said that the Bible presents the new creation and the worship of God there as thoroughly multiracial. Now, it's based upon that theology. We shouldn't be surprised that racism and the injustice that racism creates is inherently unbiblical. Theologian John Piper says racism comes from exalting ourselves over against our maker. And of course, if over against our maker, then over against each other. We make ourselves into gods. And then we do injustice to the only true God. And of course, to all those around us. We are first idolaters. And then Through that idolatry, we are led to injustice against God and others. And thus, there is simply no faithful way to uphold racism or racial injustice from the scriptures, even though many Christians have tried in the past. They've been wrong. They have woefully missed the teaching of Jesus. So then, based upon what the scriptures teach, how can we pursue racial reconciliation in the church? and racial justice in the society we find ourselves in. In other words, what's next? Well, I want to suggest four things that we can do. The first thing is this. We can learn more about racial injustice in the New Testament and why racial injustice in the church is so problematic. One of the things that Christians often miss in reading the New Testament is how much ethnicity is discussed specifically when it comes to the fact that God has redeemed both Jew and Gentile and made them into one new people. And yet, despite the fact that God was clearly moving in this way in the early church, they struggled to put it into play. There were conflicts and causes for disunity when it came to Jews and Gentiles living and worshiping together. And we can see that from Acts chapter 6 onward through the epistles of the New Testament. But the truth of the matter is that that racial reconciliation is an inherent part of the gospel. It's not an add-on. N.T. Wright has recently said, The point of being part of Jesus' people was never that we as individuals could get to heaven, perhaps associating with other slightly different people on the way, or perhaps not. The point was that we were and are supposed to be in our personal and in our corporate lives, Small working models of the ultimate new creation which God has promised to make and has launched decisively in raising Jesus, the anointed one, from the dead. That has always been our glorious vocation. Rejecting racism and embracing the diversity of Jesus' family ought to be as obvious as praying the Lord's Prayer, celebrating the Eucharist, or reading the four Gospels. It isn't just an extra rule we're supposed to keep. It is constitutive of who we are. The second thing that we need to do and to grow in is learning how to work for reconciliation in the church. My professor, Dr. Robert Smith Jr., skillfully points out that slavery in the United States survived both the first and second great awakenings. How can that be? 
His point is that conversion doesn't eradicate racism. Conversion doesn't do away with our sinful nature and the sinful actions that we perpetrate and perpetuate. And so we must be willing to look inside of ourselves and inside the body of Christ to find out where are we not living up to the new creation that Christ has begun in us. In order to do that, I think we need to see greater racial reconciliation among local congregations, especially in the United States. Because most American congregations are not multiracial or multiethnic. Some may say that's not a problem. Others may say that's a huge problem. Well, is it a problem or not? The United States is a big place, and some communities are very homogenous. They're just like one another. And others are extremely diverse. For example, a homogenous church, a majority white church in rural Montana, that just makes sense. We don't need and shouldn't try to fabricate diversity in a homogenous community. And yet, when there is nothing but homogenous churches in diverse communities, the question is why is that? I think it's more than just a matter of preference, but it's at some level an unwillingness to live into the reality of the kingdom of God, which in turn produces a terrible witness to the gospel to those around us. I heard a news story a few weeks ago that discussed two churches in Columbia, South Carolina. At First Presbyterian Church before the Civil War, black slaves were allowed to sit in the balcony. And after the Civil War, The black attenders outgrew the balcony, and since they weren't allowed to sit on the floor of the sanctuary, they started their own church a few blocks down the road, which was called a Sabbath school. And eventually that church became Ladson Presbyterian Church. And to this day, First Presbyterian is still almost entirely white, Ladson Presbyterian Church is still entirely black, and when the leaders and the church members were asked whether or not they know anyone from the other church, the answer was no, despite sharing a history. In my nine years in Birmingham, Alabama, this story is not hard for me to believe at all. We also need to see more racial reconciliation and partnerships among local congregations. Growing up, I was so encouraged by my dad, who pastored a rural white church in Ohio. He joined together and partnered with a black church in the town nearby. And they swapped pulpits, and we did fellowship events together. That was a partnership, and that was the gospel in play. As an Anglican, I want to see more multi-ethnic or minority Anglican congregations and greater representation in the leadership of the ACNA. Those things will be signs that we are serious about pursuing racial reconciliation. The third thing that I think we can do is to learn more history. My undergraduate degree is in history, and I can't say enough about how important history is. It's our story. We can't know who we are or where we came from apart from our story. And certainly, it's important to learn our national history when it comes to racial injustice, especially if that's not something you've been exposed to. But perhaps more importantly, I want to encourage you to learn your local history. Phoenix history with racism is not the same as Birmingham's, but there is a history here, and we need to know it 
so that we can better see where racial injustice still occurs and where needs of racial reconciliation are. And I think that in seeing those things, we can better know how to respond because sometimes we feel like, well, is there anything for us to do? And I think the answer is yes. The last thing I want to suggest that we can do is to keep engaging the topic. Don't tune it out. Keep listening and watching and reading. Don't just listen to those you agree with. Try to understand the other side's perspective. Work to see nuance. But always, always, always come back to the scriptures and invite the Spirit of God to help you read it with the right eyes. Now, in this Living Faith podcast, we're going to be discussing some more of the various issues that relate to this conversation about justice and race. We're going to talk about protests and violence. We're going to talk about critical theory. We're going to talk about Black Lives Matter, the statement and the movement. We're going to talk about the gospel and social justice. We'll talk about many other things as this podcast goes along. And I want to just say this in close. Our job is not to fix injustice. We can't do that, especially when we're faced with systemic injustice. And I wanted to say that's okay. I know we want to fix things. I want to fix things. But the truth is we can't. And when we try, we often fail because we make a really terrible Messiah. Jesus is our Messiah. And Jesus' kingdom is the one that's coming. And Jesus' kingdom is the one to which we belong. And so while we cannot fix injustice, what we can do is become a congregation, a community of Jesus-loving people that pursues the justice and the restoration that Jesus himself is bringing. Now, in the description of this episode, I will have some links for you for further study. Some of the links I I mentioned in this podcast. I want to just thank you for joining us today. And I want to just close with a collect for justice from the Book of Common Prayer 2019. Almighty God, you created us in your own image. Grant us grace to contend fearlessly against evil and to make no peace with oppression. And help us to use our freedom rightly in the establishment of justice in our communities and among the nations, to the glory of your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.